You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to Let's Talk About It. I will be joined by a panel of guests to discuss a social issue. We will discuss where we are at the moment with this issue, where we would like to be in the future, what challenges we face. We will also develop a roadmap of how we could potentially overcome these challenges and get to where we would like to be. So, welcome to all the listeners um, to our programme. Today we're going to discuss mosque management. Um, my name is Abad, I'll be your host today, and today I've also got a co-host who is Mona um, Kassan, and initially he'll be helping me uh, ask some questions. So, today we have uh, two guests that are involved within mosque management and have been involved within mosque management uh, within Glasgow. So first we have Dr. Uh, Gill, uh, and uh, he'll inshallah talk a little bit later on and explain what he's done within the mosque management, and then we have Brother Shahid as well. So basically if we can start with uh, Dr. Gill, um, what's your experience in management? What have you done so far? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I'm involved in the management of Dr. Khan, Glasgow, that's in the west end of Glasgow, near Charing Grass. My period of my involvement is uh, more than 20 years. During those 20 years, I have been a member of the committee that runs the mosque in different roles, from lay member up to the president of the mosque, secretary of the uh, branch. Uh, I'll explain later on why I use the word branch. Uh, And uh, been involved in different roles in running the mosque. جزاكم <laughs> been involved with raising money for the masjid that we're in now and just the general committee duties of uh, cleaning and fixing and dealing with the namazis or whatever issues that they may have and, and any issues with the, the imams and so on. Okay, so the idea of the today's program is that we'll divide it into sections. So um, our first section will be about what's involved within mosque management. Uh, later on, we'll talk about where our ideal, uh, you know, uh, our ideal sort of mosque management scenario would be, and um, we'll also talk about some issues, some challenges, criticisms that um, the mosque management face, and then maybe come up with some sort of plan or how we could work towards uh, having the ideal, um, uh, what's it called, mosque management uh, within our masajid. So, first question, inshallah, and this is now just an open discussion, so feel free to just jump in and, uh, and say what you would like. So, what is involved in mosque management? We hear we hear terms like trustees, committee members, um, and I'm sure there must be other terms, like you said, president, and then you have secretary in different positions. 
So what what is involved in loss management? Uh, well, all those positions that you mentioned, they, they are one or the other way present in almost every mosque. And the one which I've been uh, part of, of course, all those positions are there. Um, the mosque I am uh, connected to is one of the some 40, more than 40 mosques run by the UK Islamic Mission, a national organization. And they have their branches, which are over 50 now in, all over the country. And the mosque where uh, I work, that is uh, connected to one of the branches, which is the Glasgow uh, North Branch. There is another branch in Glasgow, which is in this area where we are sitting just now. And there are other branches in Scotland as well and the rest of the country. Uh, in what is involved in the mosque management, that varies from mosque to mosque. Something, uh, some work is common. The minimal work is to actually uh, arrange the uh, prayer arrangements in the mosque, put the prayer arrangements in, and the other necessities, wudu and uh, anything related to the prayer. But some mosques have gone one step ahead. They have set up the madrasas, which, of course, my mosque has an evening school as well. And some mosques are even more developed, which have a number of other projects. Uh, you have touched on some positions, like, the, for example, the trustees. Uh, we don't have the trustees in our mosque because the, all the trustees of the all mosques something 40-odd mosques, or you can get the same centrally. Uh, uh, the central trust runs, uh, I mean, holds the trusteeship, not runs them, the individual branches run them. But running a mosque uh, does a lot more than a trust. Um, trust is the custodian of the property and ownership of the mosque. Running is something different. They, even those unitary mosques, which are just one mosque, no other organization or liabilities outside, no responsibilities outside. Even they have um, differences between the trust and the mosque management. Um, and some mosques it is elected, some mosques it is appointed by the trust or whosoever is the supreme body of the mosque. But uh, it depends upon the, the vision and the uh, strategy of the committee or the trust actually uh, controlling the mosque, okay. and then they will identify the fields and areas they need to work in. They would require the team for that, like the president or the head of the committee, then the secretary, then his trader, then the other committee members who will be doing different duties, like somebody will be looking after the madrasa, somebody will be looking after the other areas of either the property management side, looking after the physical premises or looking after the other areas of, uh, like Dawa, for example, which is the outreach, Islamic outreach, the uh, local terms, if you use Dawa is outreach, reaching to the other people who have uh, minimal knowledge or no knowledge at all about Islam, and just introduce them, that is Dawa. Okay. And then the Tarbiya of Muslims itself is an area where somebody can be a Tarbiya in charge. Yeah. And so many other areas, which, which of course requires a team and manpower. Yeah. So, so basically, the, the, there can be trustees involved if there is a premises involved. 
like you're saying, centrally it's dealt with uh, within your organisation and within other organisations, maybe it might be within the actual uh, area where the, the, the premises is. Uh, the trustees are needed even, even if there is no mask, uh, but uh, some organisation is set up for uh, making these Islamic arrangements in future, maybe they can build a mask. Uh, they have to be a charity right from the beginning. And the charity, uh, different types of charities like a company, for example, limited by guarantee, also a charity at the same time, uh, a full charity as most of the mosques are. And there are others like Skio in Scotland, for example, which is a company and a charity at the same time. Okay. But I am not aware of any mosque in Scotland which is Skio. Uh, the state of a full charity states most of the mosques are yeah. like that. They have the trusts. Yeah. Uh, a committee which is to be registered as a trust. Yeah, and w one thing that maybe uh, you can maybe explain a little bit is that every, um, whether it's a charity or an organisation, will usually have a constitution. So, so meaning that the all the members, whether they're committee members, just ordinary members, they'll all be sort of bound by uh, certain principles or ideas. Um, is that the case, Shahid? The masjid, uh, our masjid does have a constitution. Um, the doctor girls is a little bit more advanced. I'm just a committee mem member, so our duties are a little bit more kind of basic, okay. which is like cleaning and fixing the, uh, the masjid, cleaning the area, anything that may be broken, fix that as well. Uh, duties in Ramadan for feeding as well. So it's not so much like the, the vision or... Yeah. Uh, um, I would like to add here, to be a charity, a constitution or a governing document has to be presented and registered with the, uh, if it is in uh, outside Scotland, then with the Charity Commission of England and Wales. And now the uh, Scottish uh, charity regulator is also available called Oscar. Yeah. In Scotland, if the charity is to be registered, you have to be registered with a constitution. Yeah. And some trustees as well, people who are responsible to, to implement that constitution so and also the the law of the land, it is also the responsibility of the trustee, although they can delegate to other uh, elected or appointed yeah. officials. Okay, right. Um, and also, then, sorry, you want to ask a question here? Yeah. So, what's the different, like you said, there's many different roles. We got president, secretary, trustee, committee. But just generally speaking, what would be the difference between a trustee and a committee member? Uh, trustee is a legal term. And the group of trustees are legally responsible to run that organization of which they are the trustee of, according to the laws of the charity regulator. And the other laws of the land have to be implemented there. And there are so many other areas. Once we enter into the, the legal area, so many number of laws to be implemented there. If they are running a madrasa, then a whole yes. uh, a group of laws come in. If they are running a public event, then there is whole, even inviting people to come and pray there, number of laws are applicable on that as well. And the trustees are the principal people who are responsible for that. Okay. And the uh, president, if he is appointed or elected, he can be a trustee as well. Right. In, uh, like in many mosques in Glasgow, the trustees are uh, also the office bearers. And... Uh, the trustees can delegate yeah. their responsibilities to the elected or appointed office bearers as well. Then, after taking an oath or responsibility, then they are subject to all those laws 
and it's their responsibility to make sure that everything is done according to the law. Whether it is collecting money and preparing accounts, getting them audited and submitting to the charity director. Yeah. So making sure all the, all the laws... All the all laws. This is the principal responsibility of the trustees. Okay. And thereafter, like uh, the organization which I work with, the trustees sit somewhere in London yeah. or maybe somewhere in England. Uh, they have delegated the responsibilities to the branches legally according to the constitution. Yeah. The branch officials are also part of the constitution. Once they, they are elected, they are duly elected and then every year, then they take an oath, they take an oath and then they are responsible to all those uh, implementation of all those laws and legal requirements uh, as a trustee is supposed to be. What will the actual committee member, what will their, their role be, the committee, because the trustee, like you said, they overlook and the committee will then carry out. Yeah, the trustees are not running the mosque, one of the mosques directly, and if the committee were to be elected, yeah. they are fully responsible as the trustees are held responsible to the government according to different laws. Their responsibility is a whole range of responsibilities in different areas. Uh, one of the areas I just mentioned, for example, collecting money. Yeah. This is not something simple that you just ask people or make an appeal and people give you money. Then you have to count everything, you have to maintain a bank account, you have to make your account in 10 books. And uh, for example, if an elected or appointed player comes, then principally it is his duty. Yeah. And then thereafter, the whole committee yeah. fails that duty, like a cabinet of a country is the collectively responsible of the government's decision, so is the every member, whether he's an honorary committee member, yeah. or he's a, um, maybe secretary or other office bearer, is a part of that legal responsibility. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, I just wanted to ask, like, for, from yourself, Dr. Girl and Bill Shahid, like, you are uh, committee members, I mean, like, what's it like? Like, you've mentioned some of your, like, Bill Shahid, you mentioned that, you know, certain things you'll be doing, maybe just make sure that the prayers have been done and places have been cleaned and, yeah. you know, bits and bobs around about um, the mustard. So we get to ask both of you, you know, what's that like, you know, taking on that job? How does it feel? Is it, is it you know, is it enjoyable? Is it challenging? Is it, you know, is it a, a big, you know, feeling of responsibility? First of all, the first thing, the whole, is everything's voluntary, you know, and we all do it for the pleasure of Allah. No one really is doing it for, well, that is all the, the intention that it should be, that we're doing this for Allah, uh, to please Allah Ta'ala. So it all comes uh, uh, voluntarily. And there is times where it gives you that satisfaction because you are doing it for the sake of Allah, so you are happy in doing it. But it does have its times where it can be challenging at times as well. You know, sometimes uh, there's many, many different challenges, many different challenges. There can be challenges... Amongst the committee members, there can be challenges from the the, the worshippers, the mazis, and even from the classes, and from neighbours. The, the, the challenges are unlimited. Yeah. There's quite a lot of different challenges. And inshallah, we'll discuss them, um, inshallah, uh, in the next part. Dr. Gal, how would you say, what's your feeling when, when you carry out your duties as part of the mosque management? How do you feel? Do you feel a sense of great responsibility, or like Brother Shahid was saying, that sort of, I'm doing this for Allah, what is what is your personal experience of? Well, as Brother Shahid mentioned, all committees and uh, uh, all the other office bearers of the mosques, they are volunteers. None of them is paid, unless there is some office staff who are paid that they are not a part of the committee. Um, 
They are volunteers. But in, in, in Islam, the, the value of volunteer is much more than what is in the uh, contemporary society. Yeah. Because we are actually looking for a reward in the hereafter. And then, therefore, any work for payment uh, doesn't match to the spirit of a volunteer. Uh, that's one thing. However, it's just uh, not very easy to volunteer for a mosque or the, in a position. Uh, the reason is that it's a huge task. It is not an ordinary task. Even if you take one minor part of that, like as Brother Shah mentioned, just the cleanliness of the area, it is a huge responsibility and huge task. And running a whole mosque, although uh, the physical upkeep of the mosque, which is cleaning and the carpet and everything, and temperature and the air and, I mean, everything, uh, this is all one area, just simply uh, maintaining the premises. Yeah. But it is a huge task at the same time. But there are other areas, as we, we talked about the financial side, for example, and the other areas. Huge, huge task. As a trust, as a manat, Yeah. You know, because uh, we are answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, as a doctor, you know, as a huge, in that sense, that's how I see it, that it is a huge task because uh, as a imanat from Allah ta'ala, that we yeah. have to do it yeah. in uh, a proper manner. Yeah, I've spoke to plenty of people that, you know, very enthusiastic within the Muslim community, um, but shy away from getting involved and being part of a committee. You know, and uh, they'll say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. It's too much politics. Basically, well, I don't really want to be critical, but basically well, that sounds like people giving ideas then, but they don't actually want to do anything about it. Like, we'll, we'll get, I'll get that all the time. This might be another part of the, the topic, but uh, people will come and give you 10 different ideas and they'll just walk away. And... Uh, but, and, and then when you're looking for someone to help out, and there's no one... So There's plenty of mashallah, plenty of brothers and sisters who give ideas, but there's not nothing really anything practical. Yeah. Okay. See, um, being a committee member, like you said, it's a huge responsibility. So if somebody is in the management or somebody wants to be, and as for the committee, what type of qualities should a committee member have inside them to be a good committee member? First of all, you should have patience. Okay. And uh, he should uh, know how to deal with the public. Because at the end of the day, the Namazis are the public. So oh. he, he, should, he should be like a people person, you know, he, know, he has to be able to deal and in a, yeah. in a calm manner. Sorry. Or, or she. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because as we know now, we've got, you know, uh, we, we've noticed that in some of the massages now, the women are getting involved, you know, in the commercial, which, which I think personally uh, should be encouraged and it will, in the long run, be better for us. We'll have, uh, we'll deliver services that are, um, that, are cater, uh, that cater for more of the community. So it takes any consideration of everybody's um, points of view. But sorry, continue on. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that because just in case we get comments saying, why is it always a he? No. Let me rephrase that. He or she should uh, have the patience to have sabbar, be, be able to deal with the different types of people. And they should be a people person where they actually can talk to a person if someone's upset about something. Sometimes you get many people that can be upset for different reasons. How you can calm the situation down in a very uh, in a nice manner diplomatic in a diplomatic way without uh, uh, with a diplomacy basically you know yeah. so and uh, yeah that's and that's a challenge no? okay. Okay. Uh, when we talk about management yeah it's basically managing the people okay whether they are the service users 
are very part of the committee, is to manage the people. If somebody comes with a complaint, the mosques ideally should have a complaint procedure there as well. You have to deal with the complaints. Sometimes one-to-one dealing there on our spot is, can go wrong as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Okay. And is there a, is there a specific like um, qualification that someone has to have to be in a committee or to sit to take up certain posts? Or is it just basically we just try to do the best of what we've got because if see if the person well, the way I see it, the people that who are in the committee member this is my, my own local mystery that I'm when I'm a committee member, they are regular namazi, they come to the mission on a regular basis. So first of all they look at them, who's the person, uh, then how is he with everyone and if he is like a people person that he can actually mingle with people and he can talk to them and uh, basically, someone who's easy to wink. Okay. So that is one, and someone who's got a, a level head, who's, who's who's pretty calm. Yeah. And he's not he doesn't get agitated very easily as yeah. well. So these are a couple of points that they look at when they want to come. This is an our own local worship, but, but no certain like qualification or training. See, necessary. see if if there is a qualification or something where the person can organise something, that's that's a good point. Um, but we don't. From, from my experience, we don't look at the qualifications, we just usually look at the person. Uh, as I said earlier on, our, uh, we're not that organised in that sense that uh, we look at people's uh, what sort of degree or what qualifications they might have. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, in this area, qualification is the skill, not a degree. Of course, there is a, if there is a degree added to skill, that can contribute better. Yeah. But a mere degree doesn't help to uh, be a part of the mass management. Yeah. It is the commitment and the skill, required skill. For example, if you want to appoint an trailer of the mosque, he should be able to uh, manage many matters to a certain level, and then thereafter you can seek the help from a professional accountant. But to basic level, he should be able to, to collect money, to count it, to log it, to, to put in the bank, and then record that in his book. And this is the basic work, a basic level of accounting. He, should, he has to either know it uh, prior to becoming a mass committee trader or uh, as soon as he takes on, he needs to learn it. Otherwise, he won't be able to handle the funds. And this is a very, very serious matter. Most mosques fail in that in Scotland. I don't know what is happening in England. could be almost the same. And they are struggling with their accounts and everything. That's one, only one area. Uh, a secretary needs to know how to run a secretary at our, to be a secretary of the committee, minutes, agendas, and uh, correspondence, and so many other areas. This requires a skill. Yeah. However, you may be committed, but if you don't know how to do it, you won't be able to do it. See, like you're seeing all of these skill sets that the people need, but if somebody's been put in a post in the committee that he's the treasurer or so on, is there any sort of accountability to see is this person doing his job properly? Is he the right person? Because normally speaking, you know, if you give somebody like, a normal job, or even in any place when you give somebody a certain responsibility, and later on you kind of check that person to see is he doing the job properly? Is he the right person? 
he may have the qualifications, but when he gets in there, it's a completely different story. So in the masjid management, is there a certain level of accountability where people, the committee members, are checked to see are they doing their job properly and are they equipped to do it? Well, as far as the accountability is concerned, there are multi-layer uh, levels of accountability which are required in the mask management. One is the um, simple or internal audit, and that's also the accountability. You yes. see if the things are uh, going in place. I mean, the finances are in place, the um, communication is in place, the, the other things are in place, whatever the legal requirements are, are looking up. That's an internal level. Then there is a semi-external uh, level, which is your own hired professionals, your accountants, your auditors, your other people can assist you. And then there is a, a very rigorous uh, level of accountability where the government regulators, when they come in, they would do that. Therefore, it is always necessary that the internal level of accountability is fully exercised and we keep our matters up to the mark. Yeah. Therefore, whenever the external audit or external accountability comes in, it will come at a certain time, maybe after every few years or whenever they need. We should yeah, be prepared. That's great. Good. If, if, if the internal audit is there, accountability is there, you would have done most of the uh, boxes ticked. So, inshallah, uh, for our listeners, we're just going to go for a short break, inshallah, for our advertisements, and then when we come back, we'll continue this uh, discussion, inshallah. So, welcome back, everyone. Inshallah, we will now continue with our discussion. So, just to remind those people that might have tuned in, that today we're talking about mosque management, and uh, I've got my co-host here, uh, Mona Qasim. And we have our two esteemed guests, we have Brother Shahid and Dr. Gill, both members of committees within the masjids in Glasgow with, you know, decades of experience. So that we've learned so much from in our first part, and inshallah we want to continue with the rest of the show. So in the first part we talked about what was involved in mosque management and a bit about trustees and committees and different positions. Today, Right now, inshallah, we're going to try and focus on where would we like to be, you know, in an ideal world? You know, so imagine we had unlimited amount of money, unlimited amount of uh, manpower, and we had uh, people at our disposal that had, you know, all the skills, you know, that, that, that we wanted, you know. So imagine you had a magic wand and you could make things the way you want. How would you like our uh, management to run? Anyone? Okay. Uh, <coughs> Um, first of all, we need to know what the mask is needed for. It could be different from what we want. Need could be slightly different. And that has been a historic dilemma in this country. I would say tragedy. Because the people who came from, mainly from overseas, mainly from the subcontinent, uh, they were the people who needed the mosque, and they were the people who managed the mosques. The role of mosque in the Muslim countries is way different from what the, is the, should be the role of mosque in this country. In Muslim countries, where we came from, the role of mosque is just a place where people can pray and then go home and do the rest of the things. In this country, mosque is the only place where Muslims can assemble and gather and can not only pray, do their religious uh, duties, but also the other areas of Muslim society as well, the needs. Therefore, the needs that people expect from the mosques in this country are far more than what they would 
required to be done from a mosque in, in a Muslim country. Even in India, which is not a Muslim country, but the role of mosques are almost very similar to what is in Pakistan, uh, because the, the number of Muslims is very huge over there. But in this country, uh, the requirement from the mosque is far more than just the affair area. Uh, they they uh, would require the, for example, youth development. We don't have anywhere else where our children can go to. The mosque should be very youth-friendly and having, uh, uh, I mean, services and activities for the youth as well. Similarly, you did mention, I think, prior to the program, and we were talking about, uh, uh, maybe during the, the conversation of the first session, I did hear it, uh, he or she, yes. Uh, those who we call Shi, they are 50%, 51% of the society or Muslim society as well in this country. They would need somewhere they would pray and also their services required for them. There is no other Muslim institution in the society than the mosque. Therefore, our ladies' needs are to be catered. But, and uh, uh, as I mentioned, we are a tiny, tiny percentage of this country. Uh, in Scotland, we are 1.6%. In, in whole of the UK, we are 2%. And 98% of the non-Muslims, uh, therefore the requirements expected from a Muslim are a Muslim institution like a mosque or is very different from what is required back home in a Muslim country. Uh, it is our duty to take Islam to the host community. And uh, that is the same duty as Prophet peace be upon him did and, and his companions did it. Otherwise, we would lose the ground to live in this country. Dawa are Islamic outreach is the only justification of living. Otherwise, Hijrat from Darul Islam to Darul Kufr is Haram and Islam. That is the only justification which can actually make our uh, stay legal Islamic country. Yeah. And I think that's a big debate as well on, uh, you know, uh, whether we are living in uh, a society which is uh, Darul Kufr or what is Darul Islam and things like this. But I understand. No, no, I, I, I say, well, Pokaha is already allowed. There are four or five categories Muslims can go to a non-Muslim country, but all of them have to go back after the duty is finished, whether it is education, health, treatment, of being an ambassador of the Muslim state, or whatever. There's so many other things. Yeah. But that is the only thing where you can live the whole life and keep people inviting to Islam and do your business and whatever you are also doing that. So, yeah. So fair enough. So and therefore, this is the must. And keeping Muslim or making better Muslim to our own children, our future generations. The education is a huge responsibility, Islamic education, through madrasas or through the mosques, sermons, khutbahs. Therefore, the, there should be a very strong education policy, curriculum and uh, madrasa management, uh, very good madrasa management in place. And uh, to be in the UK, uh, one of the most developed countries of the world, by development, I don't mean the big buildings and the, the shiny cars. And by development, means the procedures and laws have been developed way ahead of what is available in the Islamic world or anywhere else. And uh, we need to be at par with them, otherwise we will be in trouble. Therefore, the, uh, the management should be able to put in policies, procedures, and everything there. Uh, and uh, when we go to uh, the policies and procedures, um, so many policies which are the legal requirements in this country, like uh, for example, the equal opportunities policy is also a law of the country. Um, the having the basic uh, government doc uh, governing document as uh, uh, was a question about the constitution, 
that the management has to put a constitution in place, put all those documents and policies in place, health and safety policy, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, this, so we understand because we explained earlier on about all these uh, sort of requirements that there are a lot of requirements within uh, the mosques uh, in the UK. Th- that's okay, but but the, the question particularly is that, uh, and I'll maybe pass it on to Brother Shahid for a little bit as well. Is that you know, say that let's just give example that your your local mosque, if you had the uh, the opportunity to make it the way that, that you wanted, then uh, you know what would you do? What would a, an ideal uh, management uh, of your mosque or a mosque in Glasgow or in the UK be? Uh, first of all, as Dr. Gildud mentioned, there is a lot more demands on a masjid here than in our Muslim countries. Um, because of we are a minority and that's our only hub that we brought to our, to our deen, as to say. Uh, firstly, I would try to do something for the youth, try to engage the youth, be in educational classes to teach them about deen or whatever it may be, Dawa classes and at the same time some sports activities for them, something to keep the youth off the streets and to, to for them to stop developing any bad habits, which are, as we are all aware that uh, the youth that do have bad habits. Then something for the elderly as well, something for like something where they can come and they can all sit down and chat and so on and so forth. So, so that's what you would like in the masjid, but how how would you have to? structure the management or change the management in order to achieve that? Well, particularly that this show we're talking about the management. So from a management point of view, is there anything that you've thought that I wish we had this in our management, you know, so that we could so we could achieve what we want? See the management is that we have in our masjid is we don't in order to do everything you would actually need more people more management or more volunteers, yeah. as to say, which I've always mentioned. I'm, I'm, I've mentioned in the masjid that the, the brothers who are willing to do anything, that we should utilise them. So, so, you, so in your ideal world, you would have lots of volunteers? Lots of volunteers. And, with, and within the management, you would have more people within the management? Maybe like Dr Guild mentioned earlier on, that you'd have a person appointed for education. Yeah. Get to oversee it. Who, who's who's knowledgeable in that field. Yeah, exactly. You know, who, knows to, that skill, yeah. who knows how to manage people uh, below them to get things done, to achieve objectives. Similarly, in the dawah or the outreach work or within the maintenance of the masjid or the fundraising or the accounts or within whatever maybe uh, not the masjid decides to do. Yeah, maybe not a bigger management. Maybe the management may be just maybe slightly bigger, but you get more volunteers. Okay. So you just... So you, so, so for more volunteers, would you require then um, people in management that are that are very good at managing over volunteers yeah. to make sure that they're actually achieving something? Yeah. Okay. Actually, uh, in the first, uh, I think, part, we, we did touch uh, on skills. People, management skills are yes. also, also very essential. Um, if you allow me, I can uh, put some... Uh, points here, uh, which we can uh, develop our conversation on. Sure. The, the first and foremost thing for a good mosque is the uh, the decision of what type of the organization, the trust, or the committee will be. That has to be, be chosen by whosoever of the first people to. And uh, for that purpose, uh, 
they, they need to register and all those, and there they need to decide what kind of organization this is going to be. Thereafter, the mass governance itself is done by the mass committee. Maybe the trust becomes a committee or they, they appoint or elect a committee. That's another way. Then different positions. It's all by uh, integral part of running uh, um, an ideal mosque. There should be a chair and the other positions which we already mentioned, they should be yes. in position. Then uh, there should be very structured meetings of that committee, the, the, the minutes, their agenda, the proper record of whatever they decide, and then it really should be able to implement their decisions as well. It is not that they make the decision, put them in the file, and just, just forget about it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, policies and procedures, it has to be very, very clear. There will be fewer disputes among the committee, and also they will better be able to deliver the service if their policies and procedures are clearly uh, uh, designed, even with the help of uh, from outside professional agencies. What point you mentioned earlier on, uh, regarding this point that you're making now was... Um, that basically in the massage we should have a complaints procedure so that when, when there are issues which happen, there should be a, a way of um, officially or formally dealing with, that. Uh, dealing with that in a way that's professional and actually solves the problem yeah, uh, rather than having disputes uh, uh, yeah, snowball into bigger issues. Then uh, the issue comes the capacity development, the capacity building. Uh, all volunteers, they are laymen basically, they are not the professionally trained managers. Yeah. But they need to uh, learn those skills, invite people from outside with the professional manager to give them certain talks or train them how to do different areas. Yeah. That is very important. Otherwise, they will be confused what to, what to be done or they will be fighting with each other and if they are properly trained and doing their job according to the written policies that are already decided. I, I remember returning, uh, I did a course in... Uh, Markfield Institute of Higher Education. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a course down there in Chaplaincy. And when I was there, um, they were actually running a course which was about mosque management. Yes. I, 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 I don't know if they're doing it anymore. I actually tried contacting them to see uh, if they were still running it. I didn't find it on their website. But that was the first time I actually saw you know, a structured uh, course on actually helping mosques manage. Because, like you said, there are a lot of people that are enthusiastic, but maybe they haven't got the, the skills. And... Maybe that's something we can think about later on in the show. Is that is there a way that as the Muslim community, I mean, we've got lots of talent within our community. We've got ministers now. Yeah. You know, we could uh, at some point we could have a uh, prime minister, Allah knows best. We have cabinet ministers that are, that are. Uh, well, but uh, so, so what about if we could develop something uh, within our own community that that every mosque could use? You know, to to improve their management. Um, there are some organizations UK-wide okay. uh, which can help the mosques if they are serious to, to learn the management skills, they can help and train the committee and yeah. also the volunteers who are interested, they can join those courses. I, think I can mention one is Minab, for example. Minab? Minab. Minab is the uh, mosque imams national advisory board. Someone mentioned that on a previous show. They, they, they do this, they, they set up standards and then have mosques to in their standards in different areas on the management and the Should that not be basically every mosque a requirement that any person who is in the management or wants to come in the management, that they have to go through a course and every year, basically they go to like a one day course on how to be 
on how to manage the masjid. Like for I know when it comes to a mosque teacher, masjid teachers, maktab teachers, imams, that they have basically courses to teach them how to do this. So should this not be a requirement? Not somebody who wants to go and get involved, but they have to go and you have to do it yearly just to keep them at that level. Yeah, end. that would be good. For every yard, yeah. there are people. That's the saying of the uh, second caliph, For every art or every profession, you need to have specially skilled men. Yeah. And uh, if we have them, that's a blessing from Allah SWT. If we don't have, if we get a committed person, we can train them to whatever level we require. And for example, we are running a madrasa in a mosque. Yeah. You, you need to have a number of policies, for example, what is your child protection policy? What is your um, um, complaint handling policy? What, what is your health and safety policy as the madrasa? What is your recruitment policy as the teachers? And also recruitment of imam. Recruitment in the masajid is a huge area where uh, we don't go professionally according to the law and then there are complications. Yeah. But do you think there's a lack because like we have all these policies and all this training for the maktab teachers and the imams, but we don't have anything for the management who holds such a huge responsibility. Do you think there's a lack of management? No, no it is, it's a legal responsibility, not only up to the extent of something in the book. Uh, there are punishments and fines on the management, mosque management. If they lack those policies, if they're not in place, something happens uh, in the madrasa or in the mosque, then the, first of all, they would ask, where is your such and such policy? But see, just uh, adding on to that part, that, see, what we've discussed before, what we realize is that the, Alhamdulillah, the masjids right now, because of the country we live in, because the government expects a certain amount, that when it comes to the running of the masjid, the maintenance of the masjid, when it comes to the bookkeeping accounts, we have to have people who can do the job properly, otherwise we will be have an issue. But as a masjid, we're not running uh, like a business, we're running with a vision to basically for to bring Islam into people's life. So don't you think there's a lack of, like we have people's skills in this, say, and, and like running the masjid, but we don't have management who have the true value of Islam. So like when it comes to the maktab, the teaching the children, Hosting conferences, having a imam. Maybe I would rephrase that yeah. question. I don't think that they don't have the value for Islam. Yeah. I think everyone who is involved in the masjid have mm. value for Islam. But, yeah. uh, so, perhaps it's vision. Yeah, maybe lack of vision, but yeah. definitely the value. Running as a business as well, unfortunately. Any million can only translate into productivity when the required skills and resources are put in place. So to, to serve that we and, and produce something, whatever is But what would be the way to move towards that, to build that vision and say, to come to, like, like Brother Shah was saying, that we want to see youngsters in the masjid, we want to see uh, Islam and uh, basically Islam in our youth, we want to see the masjid full of worshippers. Like, what would be the way forward? Because legally we need the management to have certain uh, requirements. But as the management, what, what should, do you advise Sim that we should simply, do? Simply welcoming and friendly for the children. Yeah. And they will become a part of the mosque, first of all, regular worshippers in the mosque, and then thereafter, some of them, not of course everyone, mm -hmm. will also like to join that great work which is taking place there. And mm -hmm. when the youth of this country, born and educated in this country, they join the mosque, 
Of course, their productivity may be much more than somebody who came from overseas and later adapted to the local needs. One who is born here and educated here, if he commits and comes down to the mosque, of course, they can work far more than... So do you think maybe this is something that we're, uh, like Mona Kassim was mentioning, that, that as committees, uh, definitely they, they should have that vision in mind, that, you know, like a few of the things that you mentioned, that we want the, the host uh, country to learn about Islam. We want our uh, youth to become uh, good practicing uh, Muslims and good human beings, and we also have many other issues that we'll deal with throughout the mosque. So there has to be that vision. Whatever we want, we need to put proper uh, policies, procedures, and resources to translate our wish into the uh, intended target. If we want our youth into the mosques, first of all, change the language of the mosque. Change the language of the sermon. That's why they don't listen to the Jumaat Khutbahs. So what, what language should we have it in? English. English their language. Even Quran, when it was uh, revealed in the beginning, the Arabs were uh, talking, uh, speaking Arabic in different dialects. And Prophet allowed it in seven different dialects, the same uh, Quran, which was the word of Allah. Nobody was allowed to even change anything. But Prophet allowed it. When the Iman became... Uh, uh, quite strong in their hearts. Then he chose the Logal Fosha, which was the language of the Quran. It will be like this. First, to bring people in, he allowed some relaxation. Why, why can't we do that? And uh, uh, why can't we uh, bring Islam into the language of the, our audience, which, which is the future audience? 60% of the Muslim population in this country is below the age of 30. 60%. But then I, think, I think, and as you were saying earlier on, brother, about regarding the, that course about the mosque management, that would be good. And within that course, if there is how to deal with the public, yeah. like you, 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 if you work in call centers, there's customer services, uh, um, training. training, and so on and so forth, something along that line, with some sort of training that given, how to deal with the youth, how to deal with the the worshippers, if they have a complaint or something. Yes, because because you'll you'll notice that um, even within uh, many of the businesses now that are running, uh, Muslim Muslim-owned businesses now, I mean, you can actually um, employ like a consultancy consultancy agency that will come in and help you in your business. So we'll actually come in and say, um, let's see, these are the, the weaknesses that you've got. This is how we can help improve yeah. it. We recommend you go on this course here. You go there. And okay, you pay the you pay that that company for guiding you and whatever. But for people that have actually chosen to, to do this, you found that their businesses are flourishing. It's more so, efficient. So we so we can find that if we maybe changed our way of thinking and thought, let's do this with regards to our management, we could have super top management, and and as a result, we could be delivering you know great results, which would be reward for us in the Akhirah, but within the society we would see, you know, great changes. But I would like to mention a couple of more names. Yes. Binab is one. Yeah. There's another big organization which is based on Lundislaw, I think, that is Faith Associates. They are the charge for their services, but they are professionals of mask management. They have helped a number of masks in, in, in the UK and brought them to a very high standard. Similarly, the Muslim Council of Britain 
they hold a couple of conferences every year whereby they try to invite mosques from all over the UK to, to mosque managers to attend those. And um, recently they had uh, a conference on role of mosque, uh, role of mosque, uh, women in the mosque. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of information. Um, there are very skilled people uh, in mosque management who are um, lecturing around the country on the TV as well. For example, Imam Mogra uh, in Leicester. Uh, he's a um, very, very knowledgeable person in this area. And he gives what, what would be the way to that you think that these uh, training uh, programs happen and outside of Glasgow, and what would be the way to bring these type of training programs here in Glasgow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that the Muslim Council of Scotland, that is a Scottish organisation, yeah. which I am a part of, uh, we invite the mask management and the imams, and uh, we, we sometimes do work to a very minimal level, but if it is identified that the masks are willing, we can hold the day-long or week-long course even if they are happy to attend. Of course, they will have to contribute financially as well. We are also a voluntary organization like other mosques. We are an umbrella organization of something like um, between 60 and 80 number of mosques in Scotland. And I see that you're seeing that people need to, uh, if they want to volunteer, but see, um, just to like, like to not be nice, but to move things forward, what do you think is the reason why, like, on one side we see like imams and teachers who are willing to go these training programs in their field, but when it comes to management, why are they so far behind? Is there a certain reason for that and how should we overcome it? Well, so, I I see with the management is uh, everyone is volunteers. This is from what I've seen, and this is where sometimes I kind of have issues as well, where you'll be working all day or you've got your own business to run as well, and you're doing this on a voluntary basis. And because of that, this is where you might lack. With the imams, majority of them, this is their full-time occupation. This is what they do. And all the thought and all the effort and everything goes into this. Now, for a, for a, a management or a committee member, as to say, he will do it in his free time. Unfortunately, a lot of them will try to do their, jo- uh, their duties and get them over and done as quick as possible because they want to go home or, or maybe go to work or whatever it may be. So uh, we've had a great discussion so far and uh, inshallah we're going to go for an ad break and once we come back inshallah we'll have the third part and final part inshallah we will also look at um, making a plan on moving forward which I think we've already started to touch on. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome back uh, to our show where we'll be discussing where we are discussing mosque management and uh, myself uh, my name is Abad and I'm here my co-host uh, Molina Qasim, and we have our two guests with us, Dr. Gil and Brother Shahid, both uh, committee members of uh, some of the masjid within uh, Glasgow. So, alhamdulillah, we've had a good discussion up until now. Uh, we've talked about what's involved in uh, mosque management, where we would like mosque management to be. We've even sort of gone into the, the, the realm of looking at what issues and challenges uh, the, the management face, and this is what I want to continue with at the moment. There are some criticisms that are put towards uh, committees uh, and committee members, and if I didn't mention them, then people would think that, you know, we're not really being uh, open, and, uh, you know, and then it would just seem as if it was a pointless exercise. 
many committees are uh, the complaint that comes against them is that they're not open, they're not transparent. We don't know how decisions are made. We don't know why people are employed, why people are uh, removed, who organises fundraising, where the funds go. There are many things that are that can be put in there. And again, we're not thinking any much about this as a general uh, most manager. There's also complaints that sometimes in committees you have people in positions of power that have very little knowledge of religion. Sometimes maybe even people who are running businesses which are you know, totally you know, uh, contrary to uh, Islamic teachings. Other things that people say sometimes committees are not approachable. You know, committee members, uh, if you try and go and approach them, uh, they've not got the people skills. If you try and go and complain, there is no complaints procedure. So therefore you complain, nothing happens, and you just decide, right, okay, I can't handle this anymore. I'll go to another place, uh, another mosque. They also say that, you know, committee members, they don't possess uh, management qualifications or training or skills. And in some cases, people will even go as far as saying that they are like uh, dictators. Um, they'll say that they're very harsh towards people, uh, sometimes towards their employees, which can include the imam, could include teachers, could include cleaners, and people that are generally, you know, employed by, uh, by the management. There's also criticisms that they're a close-knit group and they're all joined together among themselves like a clique and that you, if you really want to get into the committee and be involved in management there's no possibility unless you're willing to uh, you know, join their group and their ideas which are not necessarily always uh, for the best of the Muslim community and there's another uh, criticism is that they're always full of old people um, just a group of old people that and I'll not go into some of the other things people say. So, you guys have served on committees. Uh, none of these things I'm saying are true, but these are definitely things, am I right, these are things that you will have heard, and you might be able to elaborate, and you might be able to maybe tell me some more we, things. We don't, I've never really, from, from our masjid point of view, we've never really kind of, to my knowledge, had much complaints about the transparency of anything. Uh, we also... If something is, we, we, we have made some decision in the masjid, we'll always uh, make an announcement through the imams of the masjid. Um, but generally speaking, off the top of my head, I don't think we've really had much of an issue regarding transparency. Approachable, yes, we have, I have come across. And again, we're talking uh, generally, so yeah, specifically. Yeah, yeah, approachable, it can be. Uh, there, there's been times that uh, some individuals might not be very easy to approach. You know, sometimes uh, I've been in a situation where I've had to step in and to deal with the situation at hand because uh, someone else might, for whatever reason, maybe they're having a bad day. But I don't really want to go into too much detail. Don't want to start criticising anyone, uh, being any critical at all. But uh, for whatever reason, it could possibly be that they're having a bad day. So. Some people might not be approached, and regarding the complaints as well. So sometimes I've seen this, where the complaints might go in one year and the other as well. And uh, the the general worshipper thinks that it's like, what's the point of even actually saying anything, you know? And I'm a little bit Well, um, all these complaints do not apply to every mosque. Definitely, many of them are much better in some of these areas. Of, if not all, but some of them are lacking behind. Lacking behind, they, they do lack in certain areas. Um, when, if we're running a business, 
for profit, we would always say that customer is right. But here, the, the people who use the services of the mosque, they are the customers as well. And uh, they uh, also uh, need to um, be looked after properly. They are the service users of the mosque. And you mentioned earlier there should be a compliance procedure. If we have a procedure in place and deal with their complaints according to the set procedure and gently and uh, caringly, most of the complaints would be resolved there and then. And some claim complaints will actually materialize with some solid reason and we need to improve that. Um, there is always a room for improvement and if someone comes, it is not always that he, he may be wrong, he may be correct. We need to take that in. Uh, different areas you mentioned, for example, disputes between the employees and the mosque. The, the reason is we don't recruit them according to the law of this land. We, we never actually have a set job specification, first of all, in, in writing. Advertise their job specification and uh, then get the applications, formal applications. Then it should be a shortlisting procedure, then properly interviewing and selecting somebody, which is not favored by one or the other of the committee members, but selected. There should be also uh, conditions of job and employment as well. There should be line management as well. Not every member of the committee should be able to talk to the staff in a daunting way or maybe pressing them or maybe harassing them. There should be a line manager. Only one person in the committee should be dealing with the staff. Whoever the committee finds, he should be looking at the conditions and the job specs. If those jobs specs are met, they can issue a notice to any employee, maybe a mom, maybe a teacher in the madrasa, or maybe a caretaker, uh, and remind them you are not meeting the conditions of your employment. And if they are not able to do that, then they should take the um, procedural course and um, maybe even remove them or whatever the action is. But they are uh, recruited verbally, unfortunately, many masks, they are verbally recruited and appointed imam here, okay, we keep you an imam. And next month, if some disagreement or dispute erupts between them, they, they simply kick away the imam or the other employee, which is uh, not a healthy situation for the mosque. That's why those disputes arise there, because the procedures are not in place and not properly followed. Yeah. If there was a course of something like uh, mosque management that we were discussing earlier on, I think a lot of these uh, uh, issues, points that you've made will be addressed. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and do you think that uh, some of these other things that were mentioned, um, you know, regarding maybe the... So, so you, you, you mentioned that if there was a training, so that would get rid of the fact that some mosque management aren't trained to actually be part of management. Um, but what about the fact that um, some people see it as a, a close-knit group, like a, an old boys' club see, or an old men's it club? It could actually look like that from the outside as well. It might not even be the case, yeah. but... Uh, what it could happen is a scenario could uh, come up that is it's, it's the nomazis and it's the, the management kind of thing or the worshippers and the management it's them and us kind of thing you know so if any uh, person who, who has a issue with the management he will actually turn around and like that's just a gang or that's just a clique or whatever you want to call it you know so it could actually be perceived like that but it might not even be the case Okay, so maybe that's another issue as well that, um, that, that we have to look at with regards to management is the, the PR of the management, you know, make, because what is PR to, like, uh, people outside of the mosque, like maybe the non-Muslim community, but then there's also, like, 
how do we show an image to our uh, service users, you know, our worshippers, so that so that they know that they can trust us? Because we might be doing everything, but if we're not evidencing it and showing those things, then we're not going to be some clear There should be one word communication. Yeah. Internal communication and external communication. Internal communication is that the, there should be a very clear, specific, and periodic uh, communication between the members of the committee about their decisions and policies, and also between the staff and the committee. That's internal communication. Yeah. There should be external communication, means some kind of leaflet, uh, uh, maybe just uh, one sheet uh, bulletin, giving out the information about the mask policies, decisions and finances and being put up in the mask or maybe left somewhere in the mask on the day of demand people will just pick up. Information will be disseminated. Most complaints will die down. Okay. But if there is a real complaint that is not addressed in all that communication, that means a real complaint that the mask committee should consider that seriously and improve that. See, at the same time we see and like these complaints are here, we don't know and so much that is good, so much that uh, is it. But number of most, what we see is that when it comes to the management, you have good and you have people who are not and the right the right people for that job. And because of that, you have a lot of clashes. And amongst management, you have a lot of clashes with the management and uh, people who are the employee, the imams, the teacher. So on so much you see imams who are coming and going. You see many much that even the congregation are just basically fed up. So the question is that, why is it that when it comes to the management, these type of people actually end up being in the management and they are never basically put out the management when they're creating a lot of trouble and they're uh, causing a lot of problems for a number of people? What was the reason behind that? What would be the solution? In a management where you have certain individuals creating so many problems that that is basically clear for everyone to see, the congregation and the people who are employed, why are these people in that position and how should we overcome that problem? This should be uh, a procedure of uh, periodic change of the management in the mass committees. Yeah. And that is means either annually mm -hmm. or biannually or at the most five years. How many years are too long? Yeah. Then there should be either uh, new appointments yeah. or through election, whatever is the procedure in the constitution, yeah. new managers should come to the how do these people actually end up in the management? Like, and another complaint is that a lot of these, uh, some of the people in the management are very good. However, some on the other hand have very little knowledge of Islam. So, how, how do they actually end up in the management? Like, if they really don't have an interest. Well, it depends. What is the uh, governance policy of the mosque in the beginning, or whatever the constituent document? Some mosques are just one person led. Yeah. And he appoints his helpers. Or maybe it could be Imam, or it could be somebody in the committee head, and they, 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 they run the mosque, the kind of personal business. Um, some mosques are run by uh, a trust, and they happen to be trusted when the mosque was set up, and then they just enjoy the power yeah. like any other uh, I mean, position. That's not good um, and healthy for the, the mosque. They should either appoint or get people elected. There should be some, I mean, different ways, but we should be democratic. We should be democratic. That is the, the spirit of Islam. And uh, much for all. And the appointments should be done with... So, 
Don't you think that when people are selected or elected into a management, that there should be some specific criteria, for example, that this person, like how much knowledge of Islam does he have, does he uh, attend the masjid? You know, do you think that there should be, like in your mind, do you think there will be three, four things that this person needs to have to basically be in the management? You should have basic understanding of Islam, basic knowledge of Islam, that is a must. Yeah, because under the day this is a religious. But how how would you like how how do you suggest that we like uh, find out like for like the previous generation to come if they want to select a person or if a person themselves wants to know like can I come into the management they want to look he has knowledge of Islam but what other things should he have and how would you check that to see yeah, is this person the right person and he's not just coming in like for a, for for the wrong reasons. I would suggest, and this is just to, to throw it out there, is that um, just like you know, if you're wanting to make sure that a person is managing properly, um, you could get them to do a bit of management training. So, I mean, I think every masjid could have um, a certain, amount, like a, a certain amount of maybe, um, like say, their own training program to make sure that, that every member, not just management, but everyone who's involved in the mosque, has certain basic understanding. So, like, you know, when I, I work uh, in my job, there's certain mandatory trainings that you have to do. So one of them could be a one or two day course, or maybe certain times throughout the year, where everybody has to go and learn about certain aspects of Islam and cover them that, that are decided within the mosque, just to make sure that everybody's fresh on it and everybody knows a certain amount. Sorry, Dr. Gillard, cut you off. Um, I, I was going to say... There should be some sort of either the lay membership of the mosque, every mosque, and there should be wider consultation among them. And okay. for, for making them, themselves, uh, they should be, uh, I mean, for electing them to position, there should be the first condition is uh, a person's commitment to Islam itself. Mosque is a requirement to, to exercise Islam, to practice Islam. And if they don't have any commitment to the basic ideology, which uh, uh, is Islam, then there's no point of taking such a person to. Secondly, how committed he is, how regularly he visits the mosque itself, and how much time he can afford. And lastly, does he have any skills as well? Or he can be taken up for a junior position and... Uh, gradually he can move to the higher position. Should we not for that basically look a person that just say he wants to be a committee member, that just first of all, just give you for example three things, that one is that okay what's his level of Islamic knowledge, is he interested so we can check that by simply saying does this person attend, not just attend much for daily prayers, but he actually sits with the scholars, he sits and the Juma talk and he comes regularly, he learns Islam from the scholars, he has that respect. At the same time, if we look at his background, he has a history of actually helping the community. He's carried out a lot of voluntary work, wherein a few other persons come along, he never attends the gathering of the scholars, he doesn't participate in any of the activities of the He has no history of any voluntary work. Yeah, he may have certain skills, then should that person be allowed in the management or you really need to take every individual. I would say you'd have to look at the individual. But should that not be like a basic criteria for seeing I think the basic criteria should be that one of the things that was mentioned was that he should have some basic knowledge about Islam. Yeah. And that he should be coming to the masjid on a regular basis. And as Dr. Gill said, that how much time can you actually spare? There's no point making someone a 
part of management and he's just... Could you not change that by seeing his previous experience as you have one to work at? But definitely, all these things are happening, the improvement, the process, the message, I'm just conscious of the time. Um, I know that we could go on, but it's, unfortunately the show goes out, it's, it's only going to be limited. There's a, a point that I wanted to raise which I thought was important, which I mentioned uh, about earlier on. You know, unfortunately I would say that in our mosque management, uh, women are uh, very poorly represented. Uh, and it would be good to know your uh, opinion, because so, this is a complaint that comes from uh, many women that uh, in the mosque, you know, they just don't want us. They just don't want us in the meetings, they just don't want us involved, or they think that we're there for sinister reasons, or that we're a, uh, a fitna, you know, for, for the men. What's your view on uh, women within the management of the mosques? I, I talked about a point that the mosque in this country is different from the mosques we came from. There, women are hardly seen in the mosques, because their needs are catered somewhere else as well. In this country, there's nowhere else a Muslim man or woman can go to. It's the mosque only. These are the forts of Muslim community where we can save the future of the Muslim community within the four walls of these forts, fortresses. And uh, we can't deprive women. And if we have to cater for their needs, put the activities for them in the mosque, then they should be a part of the decision-making body as well, whatever name you give it. A committee or management committee or whatever. So for example, if a woman wanted to be, or if a, uh, if the, a woman was put in the position of president or secretary, uh, treasurer or whatever, how would, how would you feel about that? If there was a woman in the management, that would be fine. Uh, especially, see, there are some masjids that are very small, so you don't have actually space for, you can barely get enough of the male worshippers in, or there's the running out of space, so there's not really much, uh, it's not practical having any women, because there won't be any women there anyway, but for the bigger masjids, uh, there is space for female uh, sisters that can go, to, then for them there should definitely be some uh, representation. representation, you know, because uh, end of the day, you might not be, they need a voice as well, that, I, I would say that's very important. See, I, I would also say that, um, uh, also, I think as like as men, that we don't always understand things. I'm, I'm sure we always get this that we don't understand uh, women's uh, the, the, a woman's point of view or her struggles and what's going through. And obviously, she can relate better to other women. So I think that you know having uh, a woman within the, the mosque actually really helps. That would be good. See, see the first masjids that were here, they they were all like. The people who started the masjid were all from mainly Asia. Right? So in Asia, it's like women don't really go to masjid, you know, they just live in the house. But when you go to the Middle East and other places, the women may actually go to masjid more on a regular basis than in the, the Asian part. So, so right now, mashallah, the, the community, the Muslim community is growing all the time. And there is a lot of uh, Middle Eastern and Africa and from other nations uh, other parts of the world that are coming and they want to be in the masjid they want to be part of the masjid yeah. and they actually spend a lot of time in the masjids uh, as a family and they want to have more functions in the masjid as well so women do really need a voice yeah. and, and, and more than that I can tell you it is not the physical limitation of the businesses it is the mindset 
You see, that, that needs to be changed. Yeah. Even if you have small mosque or bigger premises. Yeah. I, I'll give you just one example. Uh, in summer, there are hours and hours between one prayer and the other. Yeah. Even if there is no space in the mosque for ladies' jamaat, for example, the mosque is very small. Yeah. You can have a crash. You can have a, a mother and toddler group starting from maybe uh, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock and finish before the door and wear the mask and uh, whereby mothers will get an activity with their children in the mosque and children will be friendly to the mosque if the mosque is friendly and welcoming yeah. right, right from the days even before they go to nursery and you can you can have other activities if there is a premises you can set up a gym somewhere brothers and sisters coming at the same time I'm uh, not in the same different times and uh, you know doing some physical activity yeah. even in the mosque so if a last couple of minutes you want to ask a question yes the, like the same complaint we have from the women that they are not represented and they should have a role on the committee to represent the women but the same complaint comes along from the younger generation as well and like Brother Chad was saying that we have like a very diverse community so like that should what do you think would be the way to move forward where it be have representation and we have people uh, who not just uh, women, youngsters and people from different backgrounds all coming together and having a platform on the committee. How do you propose that we should well, First of all, you need to put the activities and services for women in the place. Yeah. If there is no service, the mosque is not catering any service or activity or facility for women, there is no point of having them. Over for youngsters and people from like, how do you propose to bring these people on the mind? Young, youngsters, should be a must in the community in the management of the should community. there not be like basically like if you have a committee that you have a certain amount of people like you should have certain youngsters on it uh, you, have, you should have uh, a number of women on it so that basically we do have representation throughout so that looks like another uh, answer the question yeah uh, that definitely there should be more youth in the in the committee or taking part in these uh, management of our masjid roles as well, which would actually bring more of the youth in into the masjid, I would yeah, say. Yeah. So, so finally, I would, I would like to say, either you set your own house straight, or somebody else will do it. Nicholas Sargent, when she took the oath of um, First Minister of Scotland, first time, she took four women and four men in her cabinet, and she said, Oscar has been instructed that after 2020, all charities, whether they are religious charities or they are the other charities, they will have to have the same number of men and women in their decision-making bodies, their trusts or whatever the government bodies are. Yeah. If we start it right now, it will be easy for us to match the numbers. Otherwise, if, if that state comes from, from the top, on our hand, then it will be very difficult for us. Jazakallah to all my guests uh, that are here. Um, Dr. Gill and uh, Brother Shahid and also my co-host Mona Kassin. Uh, Alhamdulillah we, we, we covered a lot uh, within a short space of time. Obviously we couldn't cover everything um, and inshallah we can have follow-up shows um, but it would be good to hear the comments of people that have listened to it. Uh, comment on this, let us know what you think inshallah and if you have any other points that we might be able to raise. But we came up with some uh, suggestions throughout the show that I'll just go through quickly. We thought that it would be beneficial, inshallah, if there was some training that could be offered for uh, management, uh, if there were some maybe courses that could be offered or training regarding the Islamic knowledge um, uh, that, that, that people should possess that want to be part of the, uh, the management. Uh, we should be setting up proper complaints procedures, be more open uh, you know, in our dealings so that 
you know, people know what's going on. When we're employing people, have proper job specifications, follow the proper recruitment processes, uh, appoint roles and responsibilities, line management, so that things are done properly and that there is accountability. Um, there's also a possibility that we could have uh, people come in to try and help when there are issues and people are at loggerheads with each other to try and resolve the issues. That's something that I've thought about, that maybe if we had some of our um, respected um, people within the Islamic community that could maybe form a group that uh, if there are Muslims that are struggling and maybe there's internal conflict, that these people could go in as a neutral body and try and help. Maybe uh, also uh, improving on our um, PR as well so that the, that the congregation and the service users uh, know what's happening within the management. Also probably disciplinary procedures uh, should be put in place so that if there are committee members or anyone else uh, within management that are not uh, doing what they're supposed to do, that they can be put through a procedure and, if needs be, uh, removed from that position. And that there should be maybe periodic change within management, um, whether that's through a democratic process of elections every so often or through consultation and, and, and different appointments. Whatever is decided, but that should be something. So we covered a lot. Jazakallah khair. And uh, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.